Or if you have your Bibles, turn to 1 John chapter 4. We're doing key chapters in the Word of God on Wednesday. And I don't know if I'll cover the whole chapter of chapter 4, but I want to preach a message entitled, Why Jesus Came. Why Jesus Came. You know, the world's so messed up that they're looking forward to some uh, uh, person to come with a red bag full of toys. I always told uh, my kids that God blessed me to give it to them. Nobody was going to get credit for me giving uh, my kids gifts on, on Christmas. Amen. They're going to know it's coming from Daddy and Mama, and that's the way we believe. But um, whatever y'all do, I could care less. But I'll tell you this, friend. The commercialism and the world is trying to take over everything, and we need to get back to the basics, and we need to get back to the true meaning of Christmas. And folks, I want to just examine five simple reasons why Jesus came. But this picture speaks a thousand words. They came to, they came to be, uh, he came to be born, and he it was born that we that he might die, and he died that he might resurrect from the dead, and uh, and all so we could live. Amen. And uh, I preached on that uh, Sunday morning, and enjoyed it very much. But there's a great passage of scripture. In 1 John chapter 4, matter of fact, five times the word manifest is mentioned in the book of um, 1 John. And folks, this clear language tells that the Lord's incarnation was miraculous. He wasn't born, He was manifested. Amen? He was, yes, born of a virgin, but the Lord's birth, life, ministry, and death, and resurrection, and ascension, and exaltation is the reason that Jesus came. Amen. He came to die on the cross, but He also came to uh, do several other things that we want you to see, all uh, prophesied and predicted by uh, the prophets. Look at verse 11 of 1 John chapter 4, standing on the Word of God. What a great Christmas service. Amen. I want to tell you something. We just gave Jesus a gift. We gave Him a gift by supporting more missionaries because His heart is sold. Every soul that's saved in South Africa and Colombia and Ecuador and China, that's a gift to God. He gives, he gives uh, uh, souls to uh, His Father. Amen? And that's a wonderful blessing. Read John 17 sometime. But look at verse 11. It says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Can somebody say amen right there? No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and His love is perfected in us. Here's the challenge of Christmas. Whereby know we that we dwell in Him and He in us. I mean, in, uh, folks, we're carrying Jesus because He hath given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son. Now listen. He sent the Son to be the Savior of the, what's the next word, missionaries? World. Not just little Dalton, Georgia, but the world should know that Jesus was sent to them to be their Savior. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he is in God. And we have known and believe the love that God has, has to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Now listen to this now. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. As He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but fear per, uh, love, uh, perfect love casts out fear. 
Because fear hath torment, he that feareth is not made perfect, made perfect in love. We love him, <clears throat> listen now, because he first loved us. If any man say, if any man say, <clears throat> I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that, we, that he who loved God, he who loveth God, love his brother also. You may be seated. Father, thank you for coming to us when we couldn't come to you. Thank you, dear God, for providing free salvation to the whole world. And God, thank you for a church that's not self-centered and, Lord, just going to implode by its selfishness, but God reaches out, supports more missionaries. God gets a burden for uh, those children in South Africa and all around the world. And, God, that we can just take on more missionaries tonight for a Christmas present to you. Lord, use these missionaries. Bless them. Help us to be a blessing to every one of them, not just in financial support, but in prayer support and encouragement. And, God, may they do the job for you of getting the gospel to the lost and dying world. And we'll thank you and praise you for what you do through this message. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, first of all, I want you to notice that he came to live as a man. That's revelation. And that's righteousness. And that's a rebuke to our humanity. And thank God, I want to say second of all, that he, um, he came to die for man. That's redemption. It speaks of a purchase. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7, please. Ephesians 1, 7. The Bible says this, uh, Ephesians 1, 7, one of my favorite verses in Ephesians about the riches that I preached on Sunday morning. It says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. Folks, listen, according to the riches of his grace. He that was rich became poor for your sakes, that through your, his poverty you might become rich. And I preached that yesterday as I preached it to you Sunday morning, and told them it's not things money can buy. Folks, I want to thank God that uh, several got saved, especially one lady that uh, had been stabbed several, several times in her face by her stepfather, and I don't know what her rebuttal was to that, but it got her in the, in the jail. And folks, I want to tell you something. She lit up when she received the Lord Jesus Christ as her Savior, and there was a countenance over all the scars. And she's the one that's going to be coming here locally soon, and, and I hope that she attends this church and we make her feel right at home and special because, folks, she needs to see and feel the love of God through your life. I want you to notice also it's remission, which speaks of pardon. Ephesians 4.2 says, Well, to forgive as he's forgiven us for Christ's sake. Folks, God has forgiven us for Christ's sake. Folks, he treated his son as if he did it. And that's why he can treat us as if we've never done it. Amen. Forgiven. And then there's reconciliation, which speaks of peace. You know, the angel said, peace on earth, goodwill towards man. But that's peace with God before you can have the peace of God. Amen. It's reconciliation. Your great-grandparents blew it. And I want to tell you something. Adam and Eve gave you a sinful nature. And folks, you were alienated, and there was no way back except Jesus came as not a bridge over troubled water, Simon Garfunkel, but he came, he came as a bridge over hell, death, and the grave. And thank God he took your place, took your hell, took your death, took your separation, took your loneliness, and praise God you can take salvation. 
That's not a good deal. That's a great gift. Say amen. We're not here. Let's make a deal. And so, folks, there's redemption, there's remission, and there's reconciliation. The Bible says we're justified by faith, and we have the peace of God because we're at peace with God because of the justification. And then he came to live in man. Thank God, folks, it's not a dead religion. It's a spiritual relationship. I want to tell you something, friend. He's in you as much as he was in Mary when she was carrying him. I mean, the Holy Ghost, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is abiding in your heart right now. Amen? If you're saved. And I want to tell you something. You don't uh, portion him up charismatic and get a little tenth of him and then get more with some second blessing. You either have, you either have all of him or none of him. But the trouble is, he don't have all of us. Say amen. And folks, we need to yield to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit and carry him to a lost and dying world. We need to manifest who God is. Then last but not least, I want to cover the whole book of 1 John in 16 minutes. That'd be a wonderful blessing. Let's call it 26 minutes. I don't know what it's going to be. But listen, y'all not in a hurry, are you? Who's going shopping after this? Raise your hand. Okay, who's been shopping all day? Raise your hand. Come on, Miss Connie, raise your hand. Praise God, I didn't think she was going to make it back. Praise God, I was, I was praying her through. I said, go to Chattanooga. It's not raining a bit. She got a $70 hairdo and messed it all up right out in the rain. Amen. She came back bitter, but she's all right. Amen. Praise God. She made it to church. That's what counts. What if the uh, preacher's wife skipped church tonight? What would y'all think of her? That's what I think of y'all when y'all skip it. <laughs> Amen. Okay. Back to you, man. Praise God. But anyway, look at this. First of all, um, uh, I'm going to get in trouble when I get home. Uh, we need to see that Christ manifest. Folks, the word manifest means he, brought, he was making something known. And first of all, I want you to see it. We're going to take a trip through 1 John. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 5. The first thing is he, he was our sin bearer. He's our sin bearer. He came to be our sin bearer. He came to carry our sins to the altar of God, but through his, covered by His blood. Folks, the greatest altar that's ever been erected is Calvary. Say amen. Every altar in the Old Testament, every blood that was shed, every ounce of blood that was shed on these tabernacles and temples and altars was a forecast of the altar, and that altar is Calvary, amen? And that's why we don't have priests around here, and we don't have uh, sacrifice and bloody, bloody uh, sacrifices out in the lobby. Folks, all that was fulfilled when Jesus shed his blood, amen? Because he's the Lamb of God. Look at 1 John 5, 12, 5, 20, excuse me. 1 John 5, 20, and we're going to hurry. I promise you, I'll have you out of here by 8, 30, whether the kids are here or not, uh, or master club's on or not. 1 John 5, 20. The Bible says, For we know that the Son of God has come. How many believe that? Say amen. And hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. And we are in Him that is true. Even His Son, uh, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Folks, we know that the Son of God is come. Amen? And he's given us an understanding. What is that understanding? The whole book of chapter 5 of, of 1 John is about assurance of salvation. We can be sure of this fact. The Lord came. And thank God, he's coming again. Say amen. He came to be our sin bearer. Thank the Lord. The word manifest is such a powerful word. All through the book of um, uh, 1 John. And folks, listen. Listen. Um, 
Look, at, look, look back at 1 John 3, 5. 1 John 3, 5. The Bible says this. It says, And we know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. Praise God, there is no sin. Uh, and so, thank God, we know that He was manifest to take away our sin. He, number one, came to be our sin barrier. Look at the first chapter of 1 John. 1 John chapter 1, trying to cover this whole book in 20 minutes. Look at verse 1 through 3. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon. John's saying, hey, I looked upon him. And our hands had handled, I touched him. He was the one laying next to him with his head on his breast and hearing the heartbeat of God, feeling the breath of God upon his neck as he was next to him at the, at the Lord's Supper. The Bible says, I looked upon him, and my hands I handled of the word of life. Called him the word of life. And the life was manifested. There's that word again that John's hung up on, and I'm glad he is. It says, and the life was manifested that we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. And so, folks, number one, Jesus came to be our sin bearer because he is the perfect Lamb of God. In him was no sin. He that uh, knew no sin became sin for us, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. What a wonderful verse to summarize why he came. He came to be our sacrifice, our sin bearer. In the Old Testament, they had a, a blood sacrifice and they would take the blood and upon a lamb, or maybe it was a goat, I think it was a lamb, and kill it and slay it. Then they'd have another lamb, and they would shoo it off into the wilderness, never to come back. We get the word scapegoat from that. And folks, it was a picture that our sins would be carried off as far as the east is from the west and never be remembered again. And folks, he came to deal with our sin problem that we can't deal with. I preached it in the jail, and I'll preach it to you outstanding citizens tonight that's never been to jail. Some of you have, and some of you belong there probably right now. But anyway, uh, let me tell you this. Folks, listen. God the Father came to us because He's the perfect Lamb of God, and reformation is not going to save you. Education's not going to save you. You can't deal with the sin problem by trying to reform. You must be born again. Say amen, Brother Larry. I gave you a testimony yesterday. Some of them knew you over there. Praise God, you're well known in all the jails, amen? That's wonderful as a minister, amen? Not as an ex-jailbird. But thank God for him and his testimony. But I'm going to say this, friend. Education, reformation, turning over a new leaf. Some of y'all going to make resolutions. Oh, I'm telling you, you're going to make them. And you, they're going to last about 18 days. Every year I make a resolution. You can ask my wife. Don't ask her too much. I go on a diet every bloomed. January 2nd. Not January 1st because I eat like a pig on January 1st because she cooks black-eyed peas and, and she cooks um, roast beef and she cooks mashed potatoes and she cooks cornbread. And you think I'm going to insult my wife? No, sir, I'm going to eat like a pig. But the next day, here's my resolution. I got to lose 20. Went to the doctor yesterday. I took off everything but my clothes when they weighed me in. <laughs> You ever done that? Hold my iPad, hold my phone, hold my coat. 
I even took my shoes off. I said, nurse, hold my shoes. She said, oh, everybody does this. Go ahead, preacher. I got on the scale, and I gained every pound I lost. 22 pounds. I'll tell you what, after I cussed a while, I got over it. No, I, I thought, man. Then I went in there and said, Doc, I'm upset with myself. He said, why? You gained that weight back. I said, yeah. He said, give up sweet tea. I said, now you are cussing. You're cussing. Give up what? Sweet tea. Drink water and you'll lose 10 pounds. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. Resolutions won't get you through the next year. I give up butter every year. I love a little potato with my butter. Say amen. And I just give it up. Praise God. Margin, all of it. And it lasts about 10 days until my wife cooks that banana nut bread hot and it don't, it don't even taste good unless it's just smelting and smothering and good old-fashioned margarine. I hate butter. I love margarine. So I'm just saying resolutions is not going to get it done for next year. Only Jesus living through you. Number two, he came to destroy the works of Satan. Look at 1 John 3, 8. Y'all notice I read the wrong verse when I first started this message, but I wasn't going to tell you. Now I told you. 1 John 3, 8. 3, 8. The Bible says, As he that committeth sin is of the devil. Well, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For the purpose of the Son of God, listen to this, now here's the key, was manifested. We're just doing a word study tonight. Was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Isn't that wonderful? He came to be our sin bearer, but he came to be our victor over Satan, to destroy the works of Satan. Satan is the originator of all sin, selfishness, vainglory. Praise be to God, Jesus incarnate came to destroy Satan and restore to us all that was lost through sin. Folks, paradise is going to be regained at the millennial. Satan was defeated once and for all. Look at Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Hebrews 2, 14, please. Hebrews 2, 14. I got to close or begin to close. Hebrews 2, 14. The Bible says this. By the way, I preached two 20-minute messages yesterday at Walker County Jail. It can be done. I took a lesson from Brother Blaine. 20 minutes. Praise God. It says, For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, and through the death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil. I will tell you something, folks. The devil's a con artist. He's conning you thinking you've got to sin and you've got to be sinful to be happy. And folks, he thinks that he's got you by the strings and you can be his puppet, but that's a lie from the pit of hell. You don't belong to him anymore if you're saved. He doesn't have power over you. And if you, he has power over you, you're submitting to him instead of God. Don't tell me you can't overcome sin. Say you won't overcome sin because you've got power. The devil's been defeated. That's why he came. That's the abundant life. He's come to steal and to kill, but God said, I've come to give you life and life more abundant. It's eternal life and abundant life. Number three, he comes to give you eternal life. You're right on track, Brother Cody. Praise God. He gets ahead of me sometimes. That's good. Look at this. He wants me to move to the next point. I know what he's doing. But anyway, First uh, John 4. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9. Look at it. It says, well, I'm in Hebrews. That was pretty good too, amen. 1 John 4, 9. I'm getting in too big a hurry. And this was, what, say the next word with me, class. Manifested. 
the love of God towards us because God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Folks, eternal life starts the moment you're saved. And I want to say this, we're sitting pretty good. We're not better than anybody, we're just better off. Say amen. I'm saved. I'm going to tell you something, friend. If I don't get anything for Christmas, but my wife shopped all day, she better got me something. But I want to tell you something. If I don't, I got more than I ever deserved. Say amen. And you did too. And folks, it's eternal life. John 3.16 says, you'll never perish, but have eternal life. How do you get that eternal life? Well, 1 John 5.11. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life. And, and this life is in His Son. Look at verse 12. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Verse 13. These things are written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. Folks, how do you get in? Belief by faith. Plus nothing, minus nothing. All by grace. Why? Because Jesus came to you on Christmas morning. You say, what day was that? I don't know and I don't care. I just know he came. Amen. All of you want to prove it with the third realm of, of a buy and the, and the, and the uh, 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 Zechariah and all his priesthood and you want to get down to the Zach date and most people would miss it if you did. It doesn't matter about the date. It just matters that he came. And the reason he came is he wanted to you to have eternal life. Is that known on you? You're not going to hell, sir, ma'am. If you've been saved, you're going to heaven. And shame on you if you don't tell people about it and take the gospel and sacrifice as a church to build churches all around America and all around uh, the world. And folks, there's churches going out of business every day in America. It's shutting the doors, consolidating. Number four, by the way, the fastest growing Sunday school in Georgia now does not exist. Forest Hills Baptist Church. They consolidated with another church. And I've had, I've had Bill Pennell preach behind this pulpit before he messed up. So folks, I want to tell you something. We're one generation from destruction. And folks, what we need to do is we need to realize eternal life is so, such a blessing that we don't need to live in defeat we don't need to be dividing and taking sides in this church and getting our, 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 our minds off of what's eternal and what counts and, and splitting and splintering and just giving up. We don't need to be giving up on our family. We don't need to be giving up on our children. We don't need to be giving up on ourselves because, folks, we have eternal life because we believe. Number four, real quick. He came to be the propitiation for our sins. The propitiation. What in the world does that mean? Well, let me define it. 1 John 4.10. 1 John 4.10. Let the Word of God define it. The Bible says in 1 John 4.10, it says, Here in His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Look at 1 John 2.1. My little children, these things write unto you that, that you sin not. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the propitia, he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only. Listen to this, here's a missionary verse, missionaries, but also for the sins of the whole world. 
But we think we got a can on it, and we can just keep it right here. God help us. He came to be the propitiation. What's that mean? Propitiation means atonement. It means the picture of a sacrificial lamb to take away the sins. And on the day of atonement, the priest would take off the scintillating, beautiful, jewel-clad robe, the high priestly robe. And he put on an old linen ephod, like an old ragged robe. Amen? Some of you ladies, you won't, you won't, you won't trade in your old robe if your, wife, if your husband gets you a new one. Better be husband. A new one for Christmas. I mean, you love that old robe. Well, I want to tell you something. Jesus loved his scintillating glory, but he left that like the priest did, and he came on the Day of Atonement when he died at the cross of Calvary. The veil went from the top to the bottom. How about that? We have access to God. The priest was in there doing the sacrifices, and all of a sudden it rips from top to bottom, saying, you don't have to go through a priest. You don't have to call any man father on this earth. You can come straight to, boldly to the throne of grace because it's the throne of grace and because of the blood of Jesus. But that putting on that old robe, study it sometime in Leviticus, was a picture of Christmas. He came to this earth, took on the robe of flesh. He became one of us. It'd be like I got a burden for AIDS victims. And I said, I'm going to go over here to the AIDS hospital and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to acquire AIDS and become one of them so I can reach them. That'd be a terrible sacrifice. Jesus gave up the splendor and glory of heaven. Why? Because he wanted to become and he is the only one that could be your propitiation. He set, let me just find it. He satisfies God's justice. That's what the word means. And propitiation means the wage of sin is death. Somebody had to die. And Jesus took your death. He took your place. Why did Jesus come? I'll tell you why he came. Because he was the only one that could take your sin debt once and for all and sacrifice himself as an advocate, as a propitiation, as the substitute, the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God, not a Lamb. Last but not least, we're out of here. He came to be the Savior of the world. Look at 1 John 4, 14. Is that right? Yeah, 1 John 4, 14. Y'all with me? I love the way y'all enthusiastically listen after a hard day of work and shopping and whatever you've been doing. But look at 1 John 4. And I want you to look at verse 14. The Bible says this, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son. It's very, very clear here. To be the, say it with me, Savior of the world. I think 1 John is one of the greatest missionary books in the Bible. It keeps on saying the world, the whole world, the world, the whole world. Not just our little neighborhood. Not just our family. We start there, Amen. But we don't finish there. We take it to the whole world. I appreciate your faith to take on these many missionaries. But we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Folks, in God's preordained plan, Jesus is the Savior of the world. No one else can be the Savior of the world. And if any jack leg on TV says he's an apostle or Savior, he's a fake. I've, and, I, and I've made people mad as a wet setting hen when I say that. 
never to come back to this church again. But folks, there is no man that can take Jesus' place. There's no Savior. I love uh, Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, that proves that He was the Savior. Hebrews chapter 7, and verse, verse um, 25. Look at it real quick. We'll close. Right on time. 7.25. The Bible says this, Wherefore He is able also to save them to the uttermost, and from the guttermost. Amen. Say amen, Brother Larry. Wherefore He is also... Uh, to save them to the uttermost that come to God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. Not only did He come to die, He came to arise. And He came to arise, and after that He came to ascend. And He went back to the Father, and He's on the right hand of God, ever living to make intercession. I got a living Savior. I got a living God. All these people that got saviors in the grave, they're in trouble. They're going to hell with them. But folks, my Savior's on the right hand of God, ever living, presenting the blood and pleading the blood, and there's no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved. Paul was in jail, and he said, uh, the Philippian jailer said, what must I do? And he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The Bible says uh, in Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the, uh, the Lord shall be saved. Jesus warned them, Nay, except you repent, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Luke 13, 3. You need to believe, you need to call upon the Lord. And behind that belief, it's a synonymous word that's never mentioned in John, but it, it means it repent. If you believe in someone, you follow them. You believe in someone, you love them. You believe in someone, you give them your life. It's not just head knowledge, it's giving your mind, will, and emotion to God. The challenge of Christmas is to believe who He is and exalt Him as the Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this message. Thank You, God, for our business meeting of all business meetings, taking on more missionary and missionary projects. God, we know it's because You came to this world that we can sacrifice. It's because You came to this world we can give our families to the mission field. God, we can give our lives as missionaries, that we can just be as Mary carried Jesus to a lost and dying world. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the real meaning of Christmas.